Welcome to Schooled by Mr. Baskin. I have been working with young people for 29 years plus now, and I've loved it, all of it, even the tough times. I am using this time to reconnect with older students or to just kind of express what's on my mind. And now, not just about what I've done in the classroom, but what I've done on the football field. Hopefully it helps me kind of get thoughts out and also helps you kind of appreciate all the work that goes into being a teacher and a coach. It's a Friday afternoon, driving home from the Bronx. And earlier today, we received the results of the U.S. History Regents exam that my students took on June 1st. And I knew they were coming soon, so I was pretty eager. I want to talk about it. So I knew that we were planning on giving the Regents Actually, the first time we talked about it was a few years ago, and uh, then COVID hit. <laughs> you know, and then COVID hit, and I put everything on the back burner just because we, we couldn't get to it. You know, we, you know, the kids were remote and things like that. So last year, we started working towards taking the regents again, and then there was a, a mass shooting in Buffalo, and somehow that connected to the exam, whether there was a question on it or I don't know what exactly, but they decided to cancel the Regents exam. Okay, so that brings us to 2022, 2023 school year. And again, I hear we're going to give the Regents exam. Now, normally, the U.S. History Regents exam is given in 11th grade. So you, the kids are, you know, coming up on their senior year. Usually they're 16 or 17 years old. We wanted to give it here for a variety of reasons, some of which seem a little more obvious. Some, I'm not sure. You know, some reasons, well, give students an opportunity to use the, the U.S. history that they learned the last two years and take the test early. And if they do well, excellent. This will help them when they get to high school. They'll already receive credit for that. This is going to help them advance. Another reason to give the Regents exam, I think it makes the school look good. I think the fact that we are teaching in such a way that allows students to take this test early makes the school look good on whatever, you know, logistics or, or data they're using to break down a, a school's uh, success rate. And yeah, so Ms. Gilligan tells me, all right, we're giving this exam. And starting back in December, I had a prep class, you know, of 30 kids that would come once a week on Thursdays, and we would talk more specifically to the test. Generally, the, the curriculum is U.S. history from its earliest days, you know, pre-colonies, through the colonies, the Revolutionary War, forming a new government, uh, the early presidents up to the Civil War, and then through the Civil War to Reconstruction, Western Expansion, America's a world power, 1920s and 30s, World War II, Cold War, civil rights movement to modern day. So there's a lot there. And generally, that's my curriculum. I teach seventh and eighth grade social studies. So at some point, Gilligan and the previous assistant principal sold me on the idea of us taking the test. And they, they laid it on pretty thick. You know, they, I think they have confidence in me, but I also think they want the school to look good. And I think it's a feather in our cap that we can give this test. So, you know, they laid it on pretty clear that they think I'm the guy to do it. And I think a lot of it is 
confidence. I am a good social studies teacher. But I, like I said, it's, part of this is the bottom line. Anyhow, starting December, like I said, I started doing a prep class. But even besides that class, my curriculum fits what's going to be on the test. So as we got closer in the spring, I never teach to a test. I, it, it, it's something really bothersome to me. I see it a lot with uh, some of the, the standardized exams as far as ELA and math. I don't believe in it. I don't like doing that. But as we did get closer, I made sure that we were learning the material, you know, of the units that we were on, but also trying to uh, apply the rubrics and, and skills that they need to do well on this test. And for a while, I was taking, I would go at least once or twice a month to a PD, a professional development meeting, where uh, we would meet and talk about, you know, what we were doing. We even went to some teachers' classrooms and saw what they were doing, you know, how they were, you know, informing the students and educating the students on the curriculum, but at the same time, in such a way that it moved them towards uh, finding success on, on the exam. And it blurred the line between teaching to the test and teaching content and curriculum. But I, I saw some teachers that were really good. So some that were mid, <laughs> you know, to use uh, the kids' terms, but, um, but I saw some teachers that were really, really strong. And uh, I would try to administer that. I did try to speed up tremendously the content of the curriculum that I get to. In years past, I would barely get to World War II and maybe touch on the Cold War briefly. This year, we got a lot further along than I ever get. We really got to the 1970s and 80s, which is incredible. That's the furthest I've ever gotten. I had to create uh, lesson plans and things for units that I haven't taught in over a decade, which was great. It kept me motivated. I, I felt the last several months of the school year were some of the best teaching I've done in the last you know, several years, at least certainly since before COVID. And um, so we took the exam and the exam itself is, it's brutal. It is, and it has been modified. It used to be apparently even harder, but the exam is in three parts. The first part is 28 status, I'm sorry, stimulus-based questions, which are basically multiple choice questions where you either pass or you can answer questions based on what you just read along with your, your prior knowledge. That's part one, multiple base, uh, multiple choice questions. Part two, you have to read these document these two sets of documents and then write two short essays, each about two paragraphs long. And then the final part, you have to answer these six sets of document-based questions that all are based on a, a particular theme. And then take the information gleaned from those documents along with your own prior knowledge and write a five paragraph essay, you know, answering a, a question they, they presented to you. And they have to do all of this in three hours, which is a lot. I know right now I'm a, a social studies machine and it would take me definitely well over two hours to do well on that test. And I don't even know that I could get a hundred on it based on the way that they grade this thing. It's just, it's a lot. And I'm a social studies nut. So there's a majority of adults I know that would have a really difficult time with this, even teachers. Anyhow, so this is what we're going to give them. And they take it. And I was really 
trying to motivate them in the sense that this can't hurt you. This can only help you. Now you have three options when you take this test, three possible results. Result one, you don't pass. But guess what? Now you've seen it. It's kind of like seeing a, a picture for the first time and seeing their fastball. Now you've seen it, so you can adjust. And the chances of you succeeding the next time you take it in 11th grade go up tremendously. That's option one or possibility one. Possibility two, you pass it. Maybe just barely, but you pass it. So you get credit and high school teachers will realize, oh, wow, this, this student has a clue. This student is capable. Kudos to you. That, that can only help you entering high school. And you're going to get credit for it. And option three, you do really well on it. If you do really well, that's going to more quickly open the doors of possibilities concerning taking AP classes, advanced placements, and, and things like that. And... I don't know if you heard that. That was me beeping at a really slow driver in front of me. Anyhow, um, so there's three no-lose, only-win possibilities for my students. At least that's how I portrayed it to them. You know, I'm trying to hype them up. And one of the qualities that I feel I bring to the table as a teacher is I do deliver a lot of historic content. And sometimes we don't go as deep as I'd like, but I do also know that we go deeper than others in other eighth grade classrooms. And I'm hearing that and seeing that just from the PDs I'm going to and seeing other classrooms. And, and from what I hear from my students from over the years, the alumni come back and tell me, oh yeah, what we do here, other kids aren't getting, we seem to know more. And that always made me feel good. But now, now is going to be some proof. So to me, in a lot of ways, this exam was like the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's like, I put up or shut up. Let's see. Let's see how we stack up. So they take the test, and, and it was a lot. I, I administered it to, to my homeroom class, and there were other students, you know, my other two classes taking it with uh, the other teachers proctoring it. And, and there were students I know in each of those classes that didn't finish. It was just so much. And we, we worked out ways to budget their time and maximize the use of their time. And um, did a lot of, you know, in the last couple of weeks before, preparation and reviewing key terms and people, you know, in, in a game style, like playing cahoots or using flashcards and things of that nature, online games, and anything we could do just to maximize their, their confidence level and, and their social studies knowledge, you know, their prior knowledge, their outside information. So the results finally came in today, and I heard from one parent, like I said, and I wanted to get the results, so by noon or so, I speak to Gilligan, and she tells me, all right, we just got the numbers, and 47 out of the 87 students that took it passed, got a 65 or higher. And initially, I'm hearing this in a vacuum. That works out to 54%, and to me, I'm looking at this like a test score. I got a 54, and I was upset. I was. I kind of sat there and grimaced a bit, and... You know, I got a little wet-eyed almost, where like I was disappointed. And Gilligan saw that almost immediately because she was very happy. She thought that we did re really well, but I didn't understand. I'm seeing this in a vacuum. All I'm seeing is a, uh, a percentage, and that percentage to me is just over half. Well, I started looking at the numbers, you know, the actual raw scores, and now I can see there were a lot of other students that were very close within a couple of points of passing that as well. And then I start 
thinking about how we do another standardized test. And I talked to some other colleagues that told me, wait, wait a minute, we take the ELA exam, the state exam, and maybe 30, we're maybe 30% proficiency. And the math exam, maybe we're 20 or 25% proficiency. You just had a lot higher percentage than that. All right. So that made me feel a little bit better. Um, then I reached out to some colleagues that worked in other schools, asked how they did with 11th graders. And one of them told me, oh, it was so bad here. We only had 70% pass. But those are kids that are three years older than mine. So at the end of the day, I feel like we accomplished something. I feel proud on some level that, all right, the first time actually administering the test and being aware of this test and over half of them passed, you know, over half of them are going to get credit for that region's diploma before they even enter high school. That's something positive. The other part of me feels like, again, yeah, it's 54% and that's a low number. Now, is it relative to other things? Of course, but I also know that we're going to do better as we go forward. And it, it really did motivate me the last six months at least, that test and knowing that I need to move it along and streamlining my lessons and, and the material to make sure we get as much social studies knowledge baked into them as possible. So I'm proud, but I'm, and I don't feel as bad as I did when I first heard this news, you know, when I heard this in a vacuum, so to speak, but I also know that next year I, I want at least two thirds to 75% of these students passing the regions. That's, that's my next goal. But now I have a number. Now I have a baseline. And I didn't have that before. I had nothing to compare it to. I know that I'm going to be at VNA, my school, for at least two or three more years. So there's time for me to progress as a teacher and help my students progress as learners of history. So I got that going for me. <laughs> so anyhow, that's that with that. I just felt like wanted to talk about it a little bit. I know a lot of my current and former students listen, so shout out to them if they're hearing about their experience here or what's coming for them. Stay motivated. You know, let, let this episode here get you thinking about what you could have done, what you can do, what you will do. And I'd love to hear from my students as well about those that are in high school or beyond that were in my class about how this might have helped them. Being in my class might have helped them on the reasons exam, might have helped them in future years in the classroom, but just in their history knowledge in general. I hope they remember stuff. I, I, I think I teach content pretty well. I think it's more about being engaging. And from all reports I'm hearing, kids aren't very engaged in their social studies classes. So... If you are listening to this and you're a former student, let me know. Shoot me an email or a text or reach out via social media. And I'd love to know. All right. With that, I'm going to start my weekend and be good. Keep listening. If you're listening the first time, awesome. Subscribe, share, spread the word. Give me a high review on whatever way you're listening. Usually Apple Music seems to be the best way. And... Yeah, there you go. Keep listening. Thank you. Be good.